All right, let's turn to the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That's what I'm talking about. I, I love Ephesians 1, 17. I started you out this year in this chapter, and let's take a look at what we were purposing to do throughout the year. Ephesians 1, uh, 17 says this, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. That's what we began the year with, praying to God that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation throughout this year. It's funny, uh, it's God, but uh, all throughout the year I heard of different churches, I heard different radio programs, I, I heard throughout the country different people that God had given them that verse. And that God is preparing His body, having His body ask for a spirit of revelation and wisdom to know and to discern the times they live in so that we will act appropriately to the times. You know, you can have your salvation uh, and all the good things of God and be out of sync with what the world around you needs. Did anybody get that? We need to have salvation in the revelation of God and make it effectual to the people around us. Make it have relevance to the culture and climate we're living in. Therefore, we need to be able to discern the times, know the times, and we need a spirit of revelation and wisdom to do that. He goes on and he gives three reasons why you need revelation and wisdom. He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which you have been called. So number one, the first reason he, you need a spirit of wisdom and revelation is to know that I am called. I have a specific call on my life for a purpose and a reason. God, reveal it to me and give me wisdom on how to use my call. Secondly, as he goes on, he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints so that you know that what you've been called to, He has provision for. You know, most people, when they get a call from God, they sense a calling and a purpose in their life, but they don't actuate it, they don't go forward with it because they think they don't have the resources for it. We just had Tiffany up here, and she feels a call to missions on her life. Now, she could say, I don't have the cash for it. It's over, it's done, forget it. But there is a riches in the inheritance of the saints. God's going to provide for the calling He's given you. And so that's where you make the plea. Some of you have a calling on your life, but you've not moved forward because you, th you think, I don't have the time, I don't have the cash, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the information. But if you would ask for wisdom and revelation, He will supply the riches that will help you fulfill that need. Those riches doesn't have to be money. It could be knowledge and information you might need. So he wants you to know your calling, and secondly, wisdom and revelation will give you the abundant provision for it. And last of all, he says this, that, um, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, that there's power backing this up. Now, how strong is a church going to be if it doesn't understand it has a purpose in the city it's living in? Do we have a calling or not? We have a definite calling. We know that our vision and our purpose is to impact our community by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We know we have a calling. Wisdom and revelation has revealed that to us from God. Now, is there enough support from God to provide all that we need to change our culture right outside? 
Most definitely. He's provided everything we need. First of all, it's man and woman power. And you're here. So we've got what we need. We need revelation and wisdom on how to do this, how to go about it. And last of all, is there power backing it up? When you lay hands on the sick, they shall be healed. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall pick up deadly things that shall not harm you. You shall go out into all the world, baptizing in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is there power for the church? Amen. Amen. And Paul's saying, you need wisdom and revelation to know this. That's what we were praying for all year. And I have to tell you, this year with each and with all that we did uh, coming together with all the churches for each and then coming together for the call at the end of the year and seeing what was happening in the churches in Macomb and in Detroit and all these uh, groups coming together in the power of God, I've never seen so much wisdom and revelation coming to pastors and church leaders than ever before in this community Nothing has happened like this in years in this area of Detroit. We could never get churches and pastors coming together. And it is a miracle of God because God's getting ready to do something. He needs His people to come together and have a mind to know what to do. For me personally, for this church, we have made... Uh, we've had revelation and discernment and understanding like never before to uh, come to some conclusions and some answers that we have been looking for for the past six years and our direction and purpose as a church. I'm so excited about it. God, at the beginning of the year, told us to pursue this, pursue this, and wisdom and revelation came to where we know what to do and how to do it, and we're going to be unveiling that to you in January, and so we're so excited about it. And it reminds me of the sons of Issachar. In First Chronicles, uh, it says this in chapter 12, verse 32, that the sons of Issachar, now that was a small tribe in Israel, one of the twelve, but the sons of Issachar discern the times and know what Israel should do. Now, they knew what their people should do and what the nation should do, discerning the times. You see, God wants a people who are relevant to their society. And what I mean by relevant is not that we serve the latest coffee that everybody likes. That's not the relevance we need, but the relevance of an answer to broken homes, a broken economy, a broken life. We've got an answer for those things. And the sons of Issachar did that. How many of you remember that there were seven churches that Jesus wrote to in the book of Revelation, right? And he didn't carbon copy just one letter. Hey, I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, keep up the good work. Serve me and no one else. Uh, distribute that. He didn't do that. He went to Ephesus and he said, Ephesus, I'm looking at you and I see what you're doing in your city. I know the works you're performing. For who? For their city. But this is what I have at your heart and who you are. He went to Pergamos and he said, Pergamos, um, this is what I see you doing in your city. Relevance to their community. Relevance to discern what they should do, where they're at, and for their time. They went to Laodicea and they said, Laodicea, you think this of yourself and because your city uh, specializes in garments and eye salve, could I tell you that though you're rich, you're naked and poor? Relevance right to the city they're living in. And, and, and it's like that they needed wisdom and revelation from God to be able to discern their own selves. How many of you know that? 
Because we'll fool ourselves every time. Come on, you look in the mirror every morning. Right? You do the Fonz thing. Eh. Right? When everybody else says, oh. (laughs) We deceive ourselves all the time. I need something from above. Right? I keep changing the, the measurements. Yeah, my waist was, I won't tell you, used to be. Wasn't going to change. And then after that, it was like, well, that's not that bad. And then a year, a year later, it's like, wow. It's, no, but it looks good in the mirror. That's because you're looking straight on. Right? We need wisdom and revelation. For, we need a picture of ourselves from above. We need to see and hear what God is saying to us as a people and especially to be relevant in this city and in this world for this time. In the book of Acts, when, Stephen's is, when Stephen is telling about the history of David, he says that David went and rested or slept uh, with his fathers, in other words, died, as he fulfilled his call to his generation. David had a purpose in his lifetime for Israel, for God's purpose, and he fulfilled it. Do you see what I mean about a relevance and an appointment and a call? And that's what we need to do. We live right now in 2011. We're moving into 2012. And there are problems, there are situations that we must have an answer for today. And we can't go on last year's anointing. We can't go on last year's information. We build line upon line, precept upon precept. But we need a thus saith the Lord for today. Today's not the same economy as last year. Today, your neighbors aren't the same. They're having to leave their house and go somewhere else. They're not in the same place in their mindset. Right? How many of you know GM workers who were considering, where should I take vacation next year? Well, now it's like, will I have a job next year? Everything's changing. And the church has got to have revelation knowledge to be in the forefront of that. So to discern the times, let me share with you a few things that I think are absolutely going to change the days we live in. The first one I want to introduce to you is a concept called peak oil. Maybe if you haven't heard of peak oil, this is the, this is the thing. Globally, we are at a place where the world is now using up the oil reserves and what is in the ground beyond what's available we are coming to a place where there is only so much oil in the ground now if you understood the prophecy from the tower of power in 1970 the uh i'm just kidding it was a rock group um look it up it's a great song there is only so much oil in the in the ground it was the best horn band around in the 70s right and they would sing there's only so much oil in the ground because in the 70s there was an oil crisis And so what we did is we went overseas and we went and got oil from other places and we thought we were fine. But how many of you know there's only so much oil in the ground? And we are at a place, and this is what the the sounding the alarm, is that we're at a place globally where we are drying up all all the oil on the planet. We're coming to the peak of our supply. In fact, you see what's happening is, is because the everything that we have made and engineered runs on petroleum 
we've not thought of other uses or means of energy. Oh, we've played with it here and there. Now we're throwing some cars out here and there with some electric and this and that. But it's a bit too late. We have established our entire energy grids in every country of the world upon petroleum oil. And we are running out. The reserves are running out and the ground is running out. 85 million barrels of oil per day. That's 40,000 gallons per second. Now, the, the earth can only sustain that so long. What's happening is that technology has brought a middle class, a quality of life to the world globally, and everybody's moving up into that quality of life, and everyone demands energy to do it. China is going berserk with the amount of oil that it is using. Saudi Arabia cannot keep up with the demand, not just from the United States, but from Europe and China and Asia as the, the means and the wealth continues throughout the world. But it's a false wealth because it's built on credit, and that too is about to collapse. The 33 of 48 nations that produce oil are now peaked. We're running out of reserves. Oil is being consumed four times faster than it is being discovered. I had this conversation in between services. Someone said, yeah, but isn't there still oil yet in the ground to be found? Yes, but we're using it before you can find it. So oil is coming at a peak. So what I am telling you is there is going to be an energy crisis coming soon. And we have not invested enough in nuclear energy or solar energy or any other kind of energy to be able to offset what this is going to do to a global world. Now, add to that debt, economic crisis. How many of you know that the world, not, our, not just our nation, but the world is in an economic crisis? It's a house of cards. Uh, we're fooling ourselves to think. Greece is literally as a nation ready to, you know, it's bankrupt. And what's happening is, is, is we've used credit. Every nation has just used credit, used credit, used credit. And now, just like your, your bank account, you can only do so much credit before they want the money. That's what's happening to states in the United States are, are, are bankrupt. And the nation, and now nations are bankrupt. The world economy is failing, and it is failing fast. And what runs the world are not ideologies of democracy, communism, or anything else, but banks and money. We're going to have a uh, global economic crisis soon. Energy crisis, economic crisis. Many of you have not considered this we have a fresh water crisis. We are running out of fresh water. We've not developed a way to, to change seawater, salt water, into drinking water. We are running out of fresh water because, again, of population, of the different things. We're, uh, there's only so much underground water, and we're using it and tapping it out. So we have a real crisis with fresh water. And uh, after that, what are y'all looking at me like that for? Nobody's happy. I'm not done yet. <laughs> it just gets worse from here. I mean, if you're supposed to discern the times, you need to know what you're dealing with. Because how many of you remember in Israel, 
the itching ear prophets. The kings didn't want to hear bad news. They had prophets around them that would give them, king, you're great, you're going to win the next battle, it's good. <laughs> the king would say, bring me another prophet. Bring me that Jeremiah guy. And say, no, no, you don't want to, no. He's a, he's a downer, don't bring that dude here. He ruins every party. <laughs> Jeremiah comes up, he's going, <laughs> But if you're going to discern the times, you have got to know what you're working with. Right? Tell me what's going on. We don't want to over-exaggerate it, but we don't want to ignore it. And so an economic crisis, look at folks, it's not if. Please get me, understand this. And I'm not just, I, I, I'm terrible with economics, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist or an economist to know and understand the economy is going to crash. It's going down. All right? Okay? And the oil, the energy crisis is going to add to that. The fresh water crisis is an issue for our well-being. And now let's add to that a pandemic. Not an epidemic, but a pandemic. What's happening with that is this. It, an epidemic is when a disease or a sickness multiplies and goes beyond the ability to stop it. That has happened at least 12 times in world history to where the human population was cut back so much because of pandemics. You remember the Black Death? You remember different plagues that went throughout the world? Well, we're too sophisticated for that. We shouldn't have that problem. Do you remember how AIDS? AIDS has practically wiped out the population of Africa. But what they're worried about now are different pandemics such as the, the uh, bird flu. Because once that thing jumps from the bird kingdom into human contact, we have no remedy for it. And to try to deal with that, they make movies about this stuff, to try to deal with that, and if it multiplies so quickly, it will move beyond the ability of us to stop it, it will be a pandemic. It is a serious health issue that the World Council of Health is dealing with. These are actual things that are on the table. Now, let me throw one more in here. Terrorism. Terrorism is plaguing our nation. We've got such uh, volatile power available to rogue people that they are terrorizing the nation. Literally, nations are coming under attack by groups. And uh, we, there are a number of groups that, are, that have plans for world domination. Not only in the physical realm, but those of a spiritual realm. And there are those, when God said everything will be shaken, that even the stars of the sky shall fall and the planets. He's not talking just about physical realm activity. He's talking about spirit realm activities, when things are going to get loosed in the spirit realm. I mean, there has been a, a dominant world domination uh, uh, activity and uh, a plan by the Illuminati for many of years. And that's a satanic plan. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood has 
the Islamic terrorists have had a plan to dominate the world. What you see going on in Egypt is a planned activity that was planned years ago. And what Islam does is they're waiting for, uh, when, a, when a country is Islamic and it can only go so far, they purposely create chaos and rebellion for the government, government to crumble so that they can rebuild it under a Muslim Brotherhood agenda. That's what's taking place right now. In the news, you think, oh, good, look, they want democracy. Students are fighting for, for Egypt to be free. But right now, the Muslim Brotherhood is taking over Egypt. And what was a student revolt, hmm, where's the students? They're gone. And it's becoming an Islamic nation. We have the privilege, by the way, in a, two weeks to house, we're going to be housing an Egyptian pastor who has to flee uh, Egypt for asylum, and he's coming to the States, and uh, they called on us to put them up in a home for two weeks. So we'll be taking care of them as they're seeking asylum from the situation, because to be a Christian right now in Egypt is life or death. And so there are world agendas not only is Islam planning a world domination and takeover, but there's agendas from different groups. Uh, and, and you've seen them throughout history. Can, can I also throw something else out there? Also a Zionist movement. Just, you know, I know we love Israel, but could I help you understand something? That just because there's something Israeli doesn't mean it's God-blessed. Okay, not everything Israel does. Israel is a secular government right now. They have an agenda too for themselves. And everything they do is not always of God and righteous. You know that there are Christians that are being deeply persecuted and hurt by Zionist activity. We like to blow our shofars and put prayer shawls on and celebrate Israel, but that's an Old Testament Israel. That's a biblical Israel. There's an Israel today that's not so biblical. So we need to be balanced in our understanding of things. It's almost like we're back in the time with Jacob and Esau and they're fighting it out. They've got agendas and plans. But there is an answer to all of this. Can I tell you who it is? This is my favorite part. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It was the plan and purpose of Israel to bring forth a son who is Jesus. He's the answer to all these things. Luke says this, Luke 21, 26. Jesus said, when he spoke of the last days, he said, men's hearts will fail them. Yeah, for what? For fear. Jeez, pastor, you're talking about an epidemic. You're talking about global terrorism. You're talking about a collapse of the economy, a collapse of energy. No more drinking water. You're scaring me! So that your heart won't fail because you have to discern the times and have wisdom and revelation to know how to stand in the midst of all of this. He said men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking upon those things which are coming on the earth. You see, the only available information that the people of the world have is what's on the news, what's they're hearing, and what they're saying to each other. And, and so when this stuff comes and it didn't get reported and they weren't fully informed and they spent more time thinking about themselves instead of preparing for what was coming, they're going to be scared to death. But the believers who are like the sons of Issachar, discerning the times, knowing what to do, have wisdom and revelation from God, they will be able to direct the people and say, I have an answer for you. Come to Christ Jesus. Jesus goes on to say, he says, 
your, in your patience you will possess your souls. In other words, in your perseverance, because you're able to stand, having done all to stand, you'll be able to stand in the days when the devil comes against you. So you can stand. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2, 6, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because of wisdom you're going to be able to stand. And Paul talks about a wisdom that came to us through the birth of Christ. God in all of His wisdom planned for His Word to become flesh and dwell among us to teach us, instruct us, and take sin from us so that He could plant His own spirit of wisdom in us. And so we celebrate what God has made provision for by His wisdom. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you will. Start at verse 6. 1 Corinthians, my bad. 1 Corinthians 6. Oh, I'm wrong again. Are you mixed up yet? Good. Let me explain. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. You got it? We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. What does Paul have to say about the wisdom of this age? It's not going to amount to anything. But wait, he was speaking during the Roman Empire, the greatest civilization that ever existed, that made roads throughout the entire then-known world, that had the best democratic government ever. Oh, that's right. You can go see the ruins if you take a trip over there. You see what I'm saying? We think that the world we live in is the best. We think right now, the world right now thinks that we're the smartest people alive. That we have so come scientifically, we've been to the moon. We can cure cancer. We can do this. We can do that. And you know what the wisdom of all of that amounts to? Pfft, nothing. Compared to God, it's nothing. Don't you think the Incas thought that they were the best on planet Earth at some time? You can go see the ruins down in Mexico. Right? What about the Greek Empire? The Greeks were powerful. They were mighty. They were the greatest empire ever. Weren't they the best yet? Lasted for however long. What do you think about our society, our civilization, our people? It's going to come to nothing because it's human wisdom. And he's saying, don't rely on human wisdom. If I could, I'd tell all of you not to go to school, not to go to college, not to go to university because they're going to fill your head with a bunch of baloney. But you're not going to be able to get anything, uh, a job or anything, unless you do go. You do need the knowledge and wisdom. Unfortunately, it's so perverted and skewed with a secular worldview you can't get a, a, an honest opinion. Anyways, go to school. <laughs> we speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Come on now, who doesn't want that kind of wisdom? This wisdom is an eternal wisdom, and who did God keep it for? Us! Are you a privileged people or What? It is a wisdom that the world cannot understand. They, they cannot get it. What is this Jesus hanging on a cross? I don't get it. They don't understand it. They can't because it's spiritually discerned. 
You have to be born of the Spirit to understand the Spirit and wisdom. But it has literally changed the societies of this world and the way we think for the better. Anything, have you noticed that when the world in our society, our American society, has pulled away from the church, what has happened to the morality of this country? And what has happened to the running of this country? It's going downhill because it's not relying on the wisdom from God. None of the rulers, he goes on, he says, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. These are spirit things only revealed by the Spirit. Now what he does is he uses the three senses where the world uses to obtain wisdom. He says, first of all, no eye has seen. Do you know what the definition of science is? Observable and repeatable fact, information. You have to be able to see it, observe it, and repeat it so that you can say it's a scientific fact that this is something. So it therefore has to be observable and repeatable. That's the basic definition of science. How many of you know that early in the century of the 1900s, that definition changed? Science is now a religion because it is basing its facts, so to say, on theory that is not observable and not provable. Ergo, the theory of evolution. My son came home last week and said, Dad, we're starting evolution in science. I said, okay, well, this should be fun. This should be interesting. He said, my teacher said, we are not allowed to discuss any other option and that we are not allowed to say this is not a fact. Yeah. And that's, he said, I don't want to hear it. There you go, you narrow minded Christians. Narrow minded, right? But this is the thing science has turned into a religion because it is now faith based. Faith based because it's based on what we believe to be true. We believe, though it is not seen and not repeatable, that man evolved billions and billions and billions of years ago from this and that and this. Is it provable? Not at all. Uh, intelligent design is absolutely more provable than anything the scientific, quote, scientific community can offer in a theory of evolution. We can prove to you design. We can prove to you through the laws of first and second thermodynamics, I'm going into too much. Anyways, that's my point. What they see, what observable, and what the world is observing. Have you ever made an opinion on something by what you saw and were totally wrong? There's a, there's a spirit realm out here that you cannot see that is operating as well. Are we going to base our lives on what we see or what God reveals to us? I need to know what I see, but I need to see in the Spirit as well. 
And a dying world cannot see God. All they can see is what is around them. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Well, what do you hear? How many of you were around 200 years ago? Anybody? Nobody was here 200 years ago. Then how do you know what happened 200 years ago? You read about it. You hear about it in history. Right? Can I tell you that if I were to have some of you stand up here and uh, some of you older folks, some of you younger folks, and I said, could you tell me American history? We'd have two different stories. Why? Because they're rewriting history. The younger folks are not even getting a Christian sense of what's going on in this nation in history. Right? There are different histories. There are different views. So am I supposed to understand the world based on what I hear on the news, on the internet, uh, with information? Can I have to tell you a story that happened where, as a church, we cannot do this? We went to the call a couple weeks ago, uh, and uh, our brother Lou uh, Engel came in and, and really rallied the churches together in, in the city of Detroit, and, and the leadership came together tremendously. And his heart was to call a solemn assembly of repentance to come into the city and the church to cry out with one voice, God, hear our cry. Do you know that on the front headlines of the newspapers, uh, there were Christian churches opposing him? And they were saying he was anti-abortion, anti-gay, anti-Islam. And it was like, right? This is Christianity. It's not that we're against them and, and in the sense that we hate them. We love them and want them free from the death grip of those ideologies because we preach truth. Anyways, they stood up against that and said, that's a bad message, a wrong message. Well, uh, last Friday I was at a meeting with um, uh, Apostle Ellis Smith and he was the main lead in Detroit for the call. And he had met with one of the pastors that had picketed and come against uh, Ellis, who at one point was on board with this. And he said, why did you back out? Why did you do this? And he gave him these points and all this and said, Lou is this, Lou is that, Lou is this. And he said, where did you get this information? And he said, it's in the newspaper today and you can find it on the internet. Where are you getting your information from, Christians? Are you going to get your worldview from a secular newspaper and a secular media? Let's be wise now. How many of you read stuff against Christians and preachers and pastors? Hold your judgments before you get the right information from the Lord. Don't expect the newspapers to print something pro-Christian. And so, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. You're not going to hear God's wisdom from the masses. You're not going to hear God's wisdom from the internet. You're not going to hear God's wisdom from the radio. You're going to hear it from Him and hear. And then he says, no mind can conceive. Because this is so beyond us. We need wisdom and revelation beyond what our minds can comprehend or come up with. We're talking about a wisdom that is eternal, beyond the scope of our well-being. Beyond the scope of our intellect and knowledge. Beyond the scope of what's happening now. What's in. What's new. Right? 
It's a fad. How many churches are basing their next move on what's the latest reality TV thing? Come on. We need revelation from God above. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend what God is doing. But he says, and I love this next verse, the Spirit reveals it to us. Because why? Let me read some more to you so I can finish this up. He says, and, uh, but the Spirit has revealed it to us. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I like that. So what kind of wisdom are you going to get? Deep things of God. For whom among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? This, it's in the same way, who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And he goes on to say, because we have the mind of Christ. Why am I saying all of this? Because in this room, right now, we have enough wisdom to solve every world problem that there is now I'm going to say it again right now in this world because of the indwelling Holy Spirit that abides in every believer we have the hidden wisdom deep things of God where the Spirit has searched the mind of God for the day and the hour we live in right now in this room we have the solution to every problem in the world I started out and you were worried when I was telling you about an economic crisis. Right now, in this room, by the Spirit of God, we have enough wisdom and revelation to solve the world's economic problems. I'm not convincing you yet. Right now, in this world, we have enough wisdom and revelation from God because of the indwelling Spirit in you. We have enough wisdom and revelation to solve our oil crisis, our fresh water crisis, and a pandemic and terrorism. Right now, in this room. Not because of your intellect, not because of your knowledge, not because of what you've gathered information, but because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And if He dwells in you and He dwells in us, we have the wisdom and knowledge of God. Right now, in this room, we have enough wisdom and knowledge to fix what's wrong with your economics. Come on, think about it. Right now, we have enough wisdom and knowledge. Wait a minute, let me back it up a little bit. Right now, in you is enough wisdom and revelation from God to solve your economic crisis. Right now... By the Spirit of God in you, you have enough wisdom and revelation to solve your energy crisis. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who are we? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. When you celebrate the head, you celebrate the body. The wisdom of God is here in us. We are not living up to the resource that is available to us. Right now, in you, in this place, shut the doors, lock them up. We're not going to leave here till we solve the world's oil crisis. Could we do it? 
Could we do it? Could we? We could. Why? God's in this house. God's in this house. We're not living like that, people. We're afraid of what's happening out there. Why? We don't think we have enough resource to change this city. We don't think we have enough wisdom and revelation to change Detroit, to change Roseville, to change Warren, to change East Point, to change the city we live in. We don't think we have enough resource to change our household, our marriage, huh? our relationships. We think we've got to have this person's help. We've got to get that person to do this. We've got to have the bank do that. We've got to do this. I just don't know what to do. You're falling. Uh, your heart is fainting for fear. When God said, I have put in you wisdom and revelation... That is not of this world. No eye can see it. No ear can understand it. You can't even fathom it by your brain. But it is the deep things of God as a reservoir. I have for you a solution. But we're not seeking it. We're not going after it. And if we really believe this, we've got everything we need here. What do I fear? What am I afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. But if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would come together under the anointing and the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can solve this nation's problems. For right now, let's, let's skip the nation. How about we save this city's problems? That There are so many lost people out here, so many people addicted to everything because they're miserable. How about we celebrate Jesus and solve their problems? How about the people that come together in this room? We fix your problems by interceding for you by the power of God, by coming humbly before the Lord and changing our wisdom for God's wisdom in our situation. We don't need more money. We don't need to look further. We don't need a better this and a better that. We've got all we need right within us in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah, hallelujah.